Hello and welcome to the Shea Hates Everything podcast, where we talk about video games, movies, comics, and other shit that matters. My name is Shay, and today I hate modern millennial phrases like bay or I literally can't even. And my name's Kyle, and today I hate leftover steaks that are a little too rare, and so they're just impossible to chew. <laughs> I hate that shit. Like that's that's so random and specific. But I get it. <laughs> don't you though? Although the, the too rare thing, I don't know that I really understand because you all like don't you still order steaks well done? I do medium well now. Okay, all right, I can respect a little more. I remember you used to order them well done, and it was always so gross because they'd bring out this like charred gray slab of meat that just it was so unappealing. <laughs> it was super dead by the time I ate it. <laughs> like killed it many times over. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do I do medium well now. I'll occasionally do medium, but anything rarer than that and I'm just like I'm chewing for what seems like an eternity to try yeah. and decimate the piece of meat in my mouth to a swallowable size. I feel like a lot of it depends on one the quality of the meat and also like where you're getting it from. That's true. So like like if it's a filet mignon that's going to be a much different texture yeah. than like a sirloin would. Right. And so I like whenever I'm ordering, it depends on what kind of steak I'm getting and how like the quality of the steakhouse will inform if I'm gonna order it medium or medium well. Right. And like my girlfriend and I, we make steaks all the time. Um she just cooks mm. them in the oven, she broils them on a nice. on a thing. And we do stir we do sirloins because it, it we have a place we can get them pretty cheap. And they're well, yeah. they're okay cuts. Um too and so like that's fine but every now and then it doesn't get cooked as much as i would like it and i'm just like trying to get through it well but without a grill though doesn't it just look unappealing yeah but it all looks the same coming out so that's gross it really it it tastes the same i remember listening on the giant bombcast like when Drew was there, he would always talk about his sous vide or sous vide. I don't remember how you pronounce it, but the, it's like a the water pressure cooker where like he would cook things in there and it's really easy and it doesn't like you don't get a lot of the chemicals or whatever that you might get in preserving food or like the gross gas that you would get cooking on a stove or on a grill. Sure. But to me, like and le- if you're not cooking, like meat just looks nasty if it doesn't have those grill marks on it. It just looks gray and gross. Yeah, but it still tastes great. That's yeah. Well, you're right. If you and, if if you can look past, but it isn't like I'm not a scientist, but I feel like a portion of taste is sight, like a port, like how things taste are is informed by how you view them, or like how, smell is a big part uh, of taste. Smell is the I most feel like that's important. Science. I, I mean, taste is smell. Like if you plug your nose and eat, you can't taste anything. Um, right, so it's and like if, spell, you, but if you shove food really... up your nose, it tastes the same as if you eat it. <laughs> That's right. Um, <laughs> but like I exclusively eat, I mean almost exclusively in front of my computer, so I'm always watching something while I eat. So the okay. way the food looks really isn't that big of a deal. That's fair. And, yeah. Because you're too busy just like staring into the empty vastness of your computer screen, just shoveling shit into your face. It doesn't even matter. That's right. <laughs> it's so, like you, it's like you uh it's like you lived with me at some point <laughs> yeah so yes uh like i said this is the shay hits everything podcast uh this is episode two so congratulations if you made it through episode one and decided that you wanted to hear more 
I don't know why, but <laughs> thanks. Thanks for still listening. Um, today's really cool. We're going to be looking back through the E3 press conferences and kind of the event in general, talking about a lot of the big games from the big publishers. We're going to be doing this over the next couple of episodes to spread it out and so that it's not like a four-hour podcast because we have a tendency to talk about things a lot and ramble a lot and give opinions a lot. So uh, trying to trim it down as much as possible. But first, before we jump into that, Wanted to uh, bring up a little thing. In our first episode, we kind of went through a lot of our favorite things, you know, our favorite games, favorite movies, to try to give you guys a better understanding of our perspective on the things we're going to be talking about and kind of figuring out a little bit more of like, oh, they like these type of things, they don't like these type of things to kind of um, make our opinions make better sense. But I realized one of the things we didn't talk about, which is, you know, important now that we just talked about steak we didn't talk about like our favorite foods so i don't have like a bunch of like favorite foods to make i'm a pretty simple person but i know like i'm a huge pasta person i'm a huge pizza person like i prescribe to the feeling that there's no such thing as bad pizza like even bad pizza still is pretty good Mm -hmm. um i just feel like the toppings toppings can certainly fuck up a pizza keep your anchovies keep your mushrooms keep your pineapple like give me like regular meats and cheeses maybe some peppers some onions stuff like that i don't want all the like fancy shit on my pizza what kind of like do you you just usually eat pepperoni pizza right kyle um oh i do all sorts of stuff like i'll do buffalo pizza like so my taste has expanded like, I don't like olives, but I will still eat a pizza with olives on it. Like, I'll just Same. chomp away and do it anyway. So, I will I will eat any pizza. It, yeah. It, at this point, it is, like, it's the perfect just mouth shape and food delivery system <laughs> for a nutrients. Mouth feel. Yeah. <laughs> great <laughs> mouth feel. So, uh, so, you know, like, literally, it could be anything on a pizza. Like, Papa John's has a buffalo pizza that has ranch sauce. Okay, that sounds all right. Like, see, that sounded awful to me. Like, that sounded yes, terrible. Yes, like, in theory, in theory it sounds gross, but, like, having had buffalo pizza like that before, like, I could go for some of that. Yeah, it was totally, uh, it was totally a good time. And so that just kind of reinforces my thought pattern of any pizza good. Yeah. Me I eat. mean, there's something just in- inherently about, like, bread and cheese and like marinara sauce especially Mm. but like that combination oof, it's so good but the only other like big favorites thing that i have mountain dew and reese's cups like Like together i mean yeah together or separate like not like i'm not gonna make a shake made out of mountain dew and reese's cups but just like those two foodstuffs are like my favorite food stuffs. And I know both of them are completely terrible for you, but chocolate and peanut butter is so good together. And Reese's is like, the Reese's cups is like the perfect ratio of peanut butter to chocolate. Cause I, you know, I like the big cups. I like the Easter eggs they do. I like the Christmas trees they occasionally do, but the ratio is different because the shape is different. There's something about the original Reese's cup. Mm. I okay. always keep a bag of them like in my nightstand that if I'm having a bad day, come home, pop open a Reese's cup, and it just fills <laughs> me with a joy in the way that no other thing can. See, for, for me, the the Easter eggs are my ideal ratio. Okay. Um, it's because it's it's a so little you, less chocolate and a little yeah, more of the say, peanut butter. Th- those have a little more peanut butter in them. Yeah, and that's that's a straight good time. <laughs> I can respect that. Yeah. 
Um, so when it comes to what's like your favorite Mountain Dew food? flavor? Original. I like. Okay. I mean, they're all not. They're not all good, but like all of the regular flavors are. Because one of the things they it tastes and sodas like this. It tastes different, bottled can to oh, yeah. like fountain, and so it really depends on where I am. But like regular Mountain Dew out of a can is my favorite. I like the natural cane sugar Mountain Dew too, but it's a very different flavor. I need to be in the kind of mood for that. Okay. But I also like, you know, Taco Bell's Baja Blast is really good with Taco Bell. Yes. I wouldn't drink it by itself, but it's with like, tacos or something about it where it's it's really good. You I know, you, you drink red, red wine when you eat meat. You, uh, yeah, you drink yeah, Baja Blast the, when you eat Taco the, Bell. The, the flavor profiles. <laughs> <laughs> it brings out the best in each other. But I know soda is, like, the worst thing on the planet, and my wife gets so mad at me for... Like, I'm not terrible. I try to drink no more than a soda a day. I'm trying to go a couple of days without having one, because I know it's so bad for you. But, man, it just... It's one of those things. Because she used to really love Dr. Pepper, and she just kind of went cold turkey on soda. And she just didn't drink it ever. And she's like, now I don't even want soda anymore. And I'm like, that sounds terrible. <laughs> like, like what why an awful would I life. want to not want something that is amazing? <laughs> That's like, oh, I could go for six years and never watch TV. And then like, oh, I don't want to watch TV anymore. It's not part of my lifestyle. But like, fucking kill me if that's what it is. <laughs> like, I don't want to live like that. Yeah. So I, I had a big stint where I was like trying to cut out soda completely. Like I would only get yeah. soda like when I would get fast food and that was it. And I would only get a medium, not a large. Uh, because you know I was drinking like three, four sodas a day. Um, well, yeah, that's a little different. Yeah, and, and so you know I tried to cold cut it, cold turkey it, and I felt better. I, I felt so much better all the time. My energy level was different. Um, yeah. And just like my, because you know you and I both have bad stomach problems. You more so than me, but you know I still suffer from some discomfort. Um, mm -hmm. And my stomach was getting better and everything. And uh, now, because I have, a, I work in the education industry. Industry. I work. Uh, I have a job in education, so my summers are free. And now that it's summer, I'm not doing anything, and so I've started yeah. drinking back to like three or four sodas a day. And I feel yeah. awful, but man, I missed feeling <laughs> awful. I missed feeling like a That's piece of so shit. That's so terrible. That is terrible. And like I, un Ugh. I understand why people use heroin and drugs. Like you just, you feel <laughs> terrible, but you miss feeling terrible. It's the best bad feeling. So basically, like you're pro hardcore drugs, hardcore Mountain Dew. Okay, yeah, that's fine. I can respect that. <laughs> Straight just sugar in my it. veins. <laughs> inject it right in there. <laughs> uh, so before we got to kind of what we're playing and, and watching right now, I have like a bit of a humble brag and like I apologize in advance for being that kind of a person. But like it's just something that I think is like really cool and very satisfying that because, uh, you know, I started my blog a couple of years ago and just about I guess it's been a little over a year I transitioned and finally opened ShayHitsEverything.com before it was like just a blogger website. And now that I have like a legit domain name, a legit quote unquote brand for this. And so I've been putting like a lot of time in it because it's something I'm passionate about and it's a really good uh, creative outlet. And I found out uh, just a couple days ago, I was doing some Google searching, and I have a ranking of the It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia seasons, and it's definitely one of our more popular posts that I've put up on my site. And I randomly discovered that if you Google, like, It's Always Sunny season rankings, like something similar to that, I show up on the front page of Google. 
And like, that was just like a thing that I discovered where I was like, this is pretty fucking neat. Like I know for you, and we talked about this last episode when you were having your YouTube channel and you had that one uh, Minecraft series that just like blew up and you were getting thousands and thousands of views. It's something similar where like, you were just doing this for fun. You're not doing it to make money, but it still is nice when you feel like you have succeeded at something. Totally. It's that. I just thought, like, it was just, like, it was a cool, because a lot of them I'll show up, because it's not like my website's big, but a lot of them I'll show up on, like, the second page of Google results, depending on what the topic is. But this one, like, if you put in the right combination of those words, I was, like, the fifth result. Like, I was above, like, the EW ranking. I was above, like, Ranker.com's ranking. And those ones are always at the top of the list. And I know this because I do a lot of research research on this shit for my website. But that there that's maybe that's a new segment. Shay's humble brag of the day. No. <laughs> that's not going to be a segment. I hate being one of those people. But this was one of those examples of, like, not even, like, patting on the back, self-congratulatory. But just, like, it just feels good. That's it. It's just it's some positivity before we dive into all the negative shit on this podcast. It's a positive mouthfeel. Yes. Positive (laughs) mouthfeel to talk about myself and all the the, you know, meteoric rise to success that I'm experiencing very clearly of my like dozens and dozens and dozens of posts. I've had one that got a couple hundred page views. (laughs) Yeah, man. (laughs) But um So we didn't do this last episode because it was more of an introductory kind of pilot episode. But one of the things I want us to do every uh, podcast is kind of talk about uh, what we're watching, what we're playing, what we're reading. So Kyle, like, what have you been up to in the world of video games and movies and comics and stuff? Well, I'm at hour 470 of Unturned on Steam. Okay. This is this, and I'm I'm a little familiar with Unturned. This came out a couple years ago, correct? Yeah, this is like uh, um, it's gosh, uh, next Friday will be the three year anniversary of it coming out. Um, okay, so that that is still a lot of time, yeah, even for three years. That is a lot. Yeah, <laughs> that's um. You know what? Let me break out my handy dandy calculator and determine what percentage of my time has been spent. Oh God, playing unturned. So four hundred and seventy hours. Or actually, hold on. So, uh, three sixty five days times twenty four hours times three years divided by actually no, so twenty six two eighty four seventy divided by twenty six two eighty. Um. 1.8, rounded up, 1.8% of my entire life of the past three years has been spent doing <laughs> that one <laughs> the one video game. <sighs> I wonder how that compares to, like, normal everyday things. Like, I wonder how, how much of your time in the last three years has been spent taking a shower or, like talking to your girlfriend like i wonder where that eight point or 1.8 percent ranks compared to that stuff because 1.8 percent doesn't sound like a lot but if you think about that 1.8 percent of your life of your existence on this earth in the past three years has been spent playing one specific video game yeah that means if i do a net 50 things a day at all um, this would have to be one of those equal parts of the 50 things. <laughs> so, you, you can only do 50 things every day, and Unturned is one of them. Unturned has and like to be one like, of them. Blinking is one of them. Breathing is one of them. Br- uh, eating is one of them. Sleeping is certainly one of them. And then, like, Unturned 
yeah. ranks above telling your girlfriend <laughs> you love her ranks above learning a new skill <laughs> like <laughs> yeah so for people that like aren't super familiar with unturned like what what is the game it's just like a, it's a first person crafting survival zombie game right yeah and it's got like um it's the style that sounds the style like of, it's negative so, but... sounds so generic um yeah. but you know this the i really like the graphical style you know it's like a almost like a kid friendly if, if you turn the blood off uh because the blood's crazy but um, it's like potato style graphics, and if you Google search potato graphics, I mean, you might come up with some potatoes. But I think you might find some things that look similar. <laughs> some to really it. high res HD potatoes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> look at them potato graphics. <laughs> um, but it's just got this really, really um, uh, neat art style, and the gameplay loop is really engaging. You know, you go out forage for you know, weapons and food and water, like supplies, mm-hmm. and then like building materials and different things because there's this huge extensive crafting system. There's uh, vehicles where you can you can build onto vehicles and like add storage to them. And like in a semi-recent update, they added the ability to shoot tires out and there are car batteries now. So if the car mm-hmm. battery is dead, you have to find a charged battery and put it in. And How stuff regularly like that. do they update this? Um, it's, it gets an update every Friday. A lot of the time it's oh, wow. little bug fixes, but okay. he always has a new map he's working on. And uh, next Friday for the three-year anniversary, it's officially leaving early access. And it's getting a final Jeez. release version that he'll keep Dear adding Lord. to it. But it's finally out of the early access label. Um, I hate that shit. Like, I yeah. mean, not this is not specific to Unturned. I'm not calling out Unturned about this, but like that, the, I need to write that down. That's a future Shay hate of the week. Like, yeah. fucking early access games that stay in early access for years and years, and yet still charge full price. Like, that well, is so, so Unturned is free. Okay, all um, right. I there's, take it back. There's a five dollar version where you can like, you know, it, you get a couple of extra skins for stuff, and you get access to their gold servers. Like his hosted servers that he pays to host. And it's like a little way of giving back to him. And as someone sure. who has spent 470 hours in his game, I was like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'll give him five bucks. Uh, <laughs> but there's also like, there's skins for every weapon in the entire game, including all these different melee weapons and stuff. And there's tons of skins. And he's even started doing curated cu- uh, community skins. So the mm-hmm. people who make those skins get a cut of the sales from those microtransactions um because if you play for a little while every day um uh i I think the timer resets every day but if you play like you load up a world and play and then when you exit out you get a random item drop now that can be like it wouldn't it won't be a curated skin it will be one of his originals um or it'll be like a crate that has a chance of netting you one of these rare skins kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then you need okay. a key to open the crate and yada, 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 you know, that whole deal. Um, but like I said, you know, it's a free game and it's, it's all cosmetic. Uh, there's nothing functional hidden behind any of that stuff. So like he, you know, and it's one guy who makes the game, right? And, and now sure. uh, the most recent map, Hawaii, was made by uh, the modding community Um with oversight of the main guy. So he's you know mm-hmm. bringing some community people in that are really passionate about the game and letting them create some content, which has turned out really well. I think the Hawaii map is really freaking sweet. Um, and like they've made new vehicles. And so every time he adds a map, he adds like a new host of vehicles 
and assets and weapons that go along with that map that can then be used by people creating other maps. Um, and he just has he has a really he has a built in map creation tool, so if anybody can pop in and start making stuff. I've tried it; it's a little um, it, it too much, too much stuff. Yeah, and just like because some of the UI stuff wasn't finished when I okay. I was doing it like over a year ago. I think it's much better now, but um, you know it, it would have taken a much bigger time sink to learn all of the systems of it. Uh, right then it's like a whole other game yeah totally um and you know i i've uh, i i would rather just play people generated content um so what what is it do you think that's hooked you about the game like why have you put put so many hours is it is it the regular updates like is that what's keeping you invested super helps um so in any early access game you know staying engaged with the community is extremely important and he does that through updates and twitter and forums and all that stuff so he's been really active ever since it came out like for the past three years um Mm -hmm. and he like hardly ever misses a week in uh, in terms of an update and he's constantly fixing bugs adding content um, that really helps, but it's also just the game he designed is entertaining and just the right mix of goofy and scary because that game can be really <laughs> punishing um, if you suck super hard. But like once you play long enough, you you figure things out, and it's got like a whole skill system where you're specking into stuff with XP, and it's just... It's a fabulous game, and the more time goes on, the more there is to it. And I think uh, it's always exciting to, um, to explore the new content. Uh, that always do you play with other back. people regularly? No, so I don't have anybody who any of my friends who really like to play it. So I hmm. tend to play solo. I've tried hopping on servers and stuff, but that's extremely punishing because. I'm not great with the PvP because I haven't done a whole lot of it, and there are people who are really good at PvP in that game, okay. um, and that can that can be very frustrating because uh, it's it's Daisy. Like if anyone's ever played the Daisy mod for Arma or the standalone, that's what it is, just with like goofier yeah. graphics. But you know, it's yeah. it's very very similar. Um, uh, but I think functionally, it maybe has a little more going on um, externally. Uh, in terms of like things you interact with, but a little less going on in terms of the upkeep of like your own body and stuff, like you have in Arma and Daisy. Um, sure. But yeah, I don't know. It's just it's it speaks to me on a lot of different levels, uh, and unfortunately, because of the graphics, it attracts a younger crowd. So yeah, that's I remember a, that was a big problem with Minecraft too. We yeah. both used to play a lot of Minecraft. Yeah, and um. Not that there's necessarily anything wrong with that. It's just like I'm 25. I'm buying a house. <laughs> like I, I don't want to play with a bunch of 14 year olds. You know, for sure. Um, that just doesn't sound <laughs> interesting to me. And let's not mince words. I mean, like 14 year olds, even younger kids than that, can be pretty fucking annoying. Yeah. And I say that from personal experience. <laughs> <laughs> like I was annoying when I was that age too. Totally. Um, and yeah, that's just a part of growing up and figuring out yes who you are but um yeah i mean no that's your 10 minutes of unturned talk i think that's probably good to leave there <laughs> if you're interested in it like anyone listening it's free on steam like just download it load it up there's a tutorial that walks you through some stuff some basic stuff um, i think i have it i don't know that i've ever started it up but i yeah, definitely it's have just, it on it's my a account. really fun time and if you can get some people together it's 
uh, exponentially fun. Because, you know, I've yeah. played a couple times with some of my friends on servers, like, for a week at a time or whatever, when they're really into it. And then they kind of hit a point where they're like, okay, well, I have everything and yada, yada, yada. Um, you know, they kind of reach that end of the crafting branch or whatever that they're interested mm-hmm. in. And so they're done. Um, and, you know, that's that's fine. But, like, I don't know. It, it's free. It doesn't hurt to try it, you know, unless you're sure. strapped on time, which... A lot of well, and like are. if if you know that genre doesn't appeal to you, it's probably not going to do anything to bring you in. Sure, yeah. Um, yeah. so still playing on turn. Good lord. Um, <laughs> and I just beat uh, Wolfenstein: New Order for the second time since I saw the new Colossus announcement at E3, right. which we'll talk about. Um, and that was that had me like, yeah, I should really play those Wolfenstein games again. I liked those, and I really liked it again. Still, New Order's a solid yeah, I, game. I, I liked the first one, and I, I'm not like a Wolfenstein fan per se. It's not that I don't have anything against the series. I just never really got into it. But I wanted to try out the New Order because I heard it was really good and just like a fun, over the top shooter. Yeah. And there were a lot of parts of it that I did like. The actual shooting mechanics felt really good, and honestly, the stealth felt pretty good considering the kind of game that it was. Yeah. But once it was like in these bigger open areas, I don't know. That just didn't connect with me as much. I remember there was one sequence, and I didn't get super far. Maybe like halfway through the game most but um there was one sequence where like you're sneaking through a bunch of checkpoints in a car and you keep having yeah. to get out to like unlock the gate or whatever and that just i don't something about it i was getting really bored going through that and then there was some boss at the end with it was like a big mechanical thing that you had to fight that i just yeah it's about I was, three quarters of the way was, through I was having trouble killing it. Like I had died a couple times and was like, eh, I'm not having that much fun. And I just kind of burnt out on it. But the, like the, the corridor shooter stuff, the stuff that feels more like a doom game that I all really, really loved in the sense of humor. And that game was really good too. Yeah. And I think they have a, an interesting cast of characters that they crafted out of it. Um, with, you know, characters that have more, um, not sophisticated elements, but a, a little more draw to them than they really have any right to. Um, yeah. And so I'm I'm excited for uh, New Colossus or what, what mm-hmm. is it? Is it New New, yeah. new Colossus? The New yeah. Colossus because it's New Order, Old Blood, New Colossus, New Old New. <laughs> um, right. And then Old Blood, you know, I still need to go back and play that again. Uh, that's on my uh, list of steam games to go back through um i want to go ahead and play Do you know that. where where that takes place like is that a uh, i believe or? it leads directly into the events of new order i believe okay so it takes place before the dlc takes place before the yeah game. pretty sure gotcha um okay so it's mostly what i've been playing um mm-hmm. i just today downloaded final fantasy 14 a realm reborn and black desert online so I, I always get really bored with MMOs super quickly within the first month. Yeah. But this is my dead time in the summer, so it'll give me <laughs> something to do. Uh, I, I mean, the changes that they had made to Final Fantasy fourteen, and I mean, I'm not really an MMO person, but I've heard, like, really, really good things about it. Like, the people that are still playing that game love it. Yeah, so Danny O'Dwyer, formerly of GameSpot, he started up his own little, um, you know, one- or two-person um uh, video game documentary series called No Clip. Uh, you can find them on YouTube or on Patreon. And they just did a three-part series on um, the transformation of Final Fantasy XIV 1.0 to A Realm Reborn. Nice. And it's 
yeah. fascinating. It's a three part. I think the first episode's like fifty minutes, and the other two are a half hour. I think so. It's a couple hours long. It's really fascinating. He has some great conversations with a lot of the developers. Uh, that's cool. It's yeah, it's a really really neat thing, and that that's what made me go re-download it because I played it during the 1.0 and wasn't mm-hmm. grabbed by it, and so mm-hmm. that kind of made me want to try out a Realm Reborn and. And you know, I've just been in the mood for a Final Fantasy uh, uh, game. You know, it's either I would try this out or I go back and play Crystal Chronicles on the GameCube or some weird I mean, one like that. Final Fantasy Twelve, the Zodiac Age is coming out in like two weeks. Yeah, I was never as big on Twelve as you were, though. You can fuck right <laughs> off. That game is great. I cannot wait for that. I know you. I I know you're excited. Hey, when I worked at GameStop. I um I got you that Final Fantasy twelve PS two Steelbook. Hell yeah, Steelbook. Hell yeah, son. I still have that shit. <laughs> yeah. If I if I still had my original PS three that was backwards compatible compatible, I would still regularly play that game. The story goes a bit it's like a bit messy and political, which I don't love. Right. Um and Vaughn is one of the most annoying Final <laughs> Fantasy protagonists. Yep. But I love the combat of that game. But that's something I'm sure we'll dive into once Zodiac comes out because I'm gonna have some thoughts on that game. Yeah. Um before we like dive into some other stuff since we're on the video game topic, really the only game that I've been playing recently and consistently has been Horizon Zero Dawn, which is like a super hot release, obviously. <laughs> but it, it's one of those games because it's so big and I don't like to spend a ton of time at any one time with any one game. I like to kind of spread my time around with multiple games at a time. Otherwise I get like bored and burn out. So that's been a really good game that like I'll play like every Saturday I'll play it for 90 minutes, that kind of thing, which has obviously made me play through it really slowly, but it's at least kept my momentum going in that game. That's good. These big open world RPG ish kind of games. I tend to burn out on really fast and I'm actually going to finish this one because I think I'm really close to the end. I think I have like one or two main story missions. I've done like all the side mission stuff, but that game's real good to be fair. I do not have a switch, so I have not played the legend of Zelda breath of the wild, but horizon zero dawn is easily my game of the year thus far. Like, it's super, super good. The story is surprisingly engaging. It starts off slow, and I made the mistake I always make, which is once I'm dumped into the open world, I go and do everything besides the main story, which is not, like, not something you should really do. Because part of my problem is, like, once I dive into the main story, I'm going to want to stick to that, and it makes it hard for me to break away. So I, like, try to put it off a little bit. But with this game... And honestly, I feel like it is a flaw of the game. They wait until these big story moments, and then they just dump a shit ton of exposition on you. And then you get nothing for a little bit, and then they dump a shit ton of exposition on you. And that, like, once you're in those moments, it's cool, because you're like, oh my god, this, the content or the context of this world is starting to make sense. But in the in-between times, it can feel kind of meandering. And that's definitely how I was for a while, like... I was just wandering around the wooded areas, killing the robot dinosaurs, doing some random side fetch quest missions. And I was like, like the combat is fun-ish. The camera's not great. The character's cool. And the dialogue is actually pretty good. And the game looks amazing, but like I'm not getting a ton out of this. So once I kind of decided to stick more to the, the main story, now I'm like all in. And it bums me out that I didn't do that earlier. Yeah. Because I think I would have got a little more out of the beginning of the game had I done that. But 
oh man just like the the world is so cool because it's you know obviously it's like this post post apocalypse where humanity's kind of rebuilding and your character you're slowly figuring out there's something special about you because of course you're the main character of a video game so there's something special about you <laughs> but you're kind of like trying to put those pieces together and figure out why the world is the way it is and you go into these caves where like you're seeing technology that is modern and like modern to our literal real life technology. Yeah. And what you're seeing in the game takes place like presumably hundreds or if not thousands of years, I think it's like 600 years after uh, our modern society, but it's like, why did things go wrong? What happened? Why are there robot dinosaurs everywhere? Like, and you find out that we created the robot dinosaurs and something clearly went wrong and I won't go into spoilers to it, but it's uh the story of it takes a lot of turns and a lot of moments where I was like, oh shit, as stuff would happen where like you're putting these pieces together. So if you want a PS4 and you haven't played it, which are probably is speaking to a relatively small amount of people, <laughs> game's real good. I know you started it, but you kind of burn out. Yeah, um I think that's because I also had Zelda at the time. Sure, uh, they're they're fairly similar. Yeah, so I got burnt out on both. So, um, I get that, uh, you know, we talked about it last week. I had just been to Georgia to visit you, um, Mm -hmm. or last episode. And, um, I kind of, I, that was the first time I had picked Zelda back up since shortly after it released. Um, cause like I was playing horizon and then my girlfriend went and picked up a switch and then got Zelda and then I started playing Zelda and I had no desire to go back to horizon. And then (laughs) Zelda was doing things better than horizon but horizon had done some things better than zelda and so i was frustrated with those elements of zelda so i got burnt out on that too and so then i just stopped Mm -hmm. both and i think i'm at a point where i've been playing games for a while now and i'm beginning to crave more and more structured uh titles with like titles with a tighter structure because so many games don't need a fucking open world and i it's it is done poorly more often than it's done well, significantly more often than it's done well. Um, and so, you know, I just, I don't know, I just kind of fell off it, and I, I need to go back. One of my friends has my copy of Horizon right now, so I'll have to get it back from him. I think he quit partway through as well. Um, but yeah, I, I just feel like that's what happens a lot with these um uh, with, with these open world games, people fall right. off uh, too much because they're not uh, they're not giving the player enough uh, high quality, engaging content. It's uh, quantity over quality a lot of the times. I think it's it's easier for, and I don't mean this in a derogatory way, but for casual video game players, people that don't play as many games as we typically do, that like they go from one game to the next. Because if you're going to only play one game and put several hours in it per week and only focus on that game, I feel like it's easier to keep the momentum going and keep the like exploration going. But if you're like us, and especially like me, where I'm only playing it for a couple hours a week in addition to playing three or four other games a couple hours a week, it makes it harder to go back to and like remember what's happening, remember what you had wanted to do and why you're doing it, that kind of stuff. So I think part of it comes down to different audiences getting different things out of those games yeah 
so when it comes to outside of video games, um, just to hit on it super quick, I'm getting super pumped for the new uh, season of Game of Thrones, which starts uh, really soon, mid-July. Um, and so my wife and I went back and we wanted to rewatch some of it to kind of like partially for her to get her back into the story, remember what's happening. But also for me, I just like getting some momentum going into like a new season of a show that I like. So we just watched through season five, which is really good, but easily the worst season of the show. So uh, we're starting season six now for the, and that one I will have only seen, I've only seen once. This will only be my second viewing, but so I'm really excited to go back and and rewatch that. And especially being like a book reader, it's really cool to go back and watch the show after it moved past where the books were because like there were so many things that happened that were like surprising and that I didn't like, I didn't see coming because it did, it didn't happen that way in the books. Right. So that's just a really fun, like mixture between being a fan of the books and a fan of the show. It's, it's, it's been a, uh, like a fun way to re-engage my love for the show. Cause now it's all new. Like before it was like, Oh, I can't wait to see the crazy shit that I read in the book. I can't wait to see that crazy shit on screen. Now I'm just like all of the other people that are watching the show for the first time. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. And it's really fun to go online and, and theorize with people. Uh, besides that, um, I've been rewatching Seinfeld. One of the big things on, on my website, I like to do, um, like season rankings of my favorite shows. Like I mentioned, it's always sunny earlier. So Seinfeld is the current one I'm working on. I'm getting ready to, to wrap it up. I just have the finale to watch and then I'll be able to post, um, kind of a full mathematical ranking of the seasons of the show. So I'm really excited to get that going. And then yeah, the, um, that's the best way to rank something as subjective as a personal list is to break it down into mathematics. Well, no, like the way that my rankings work, and it, it is totally subjective. The joke <laughs> is that it's, I use math. Yeah. But the way that I go through it, like I watch from the first episode to the last episode, I assign each episode a score one through five, one being the worst, five being the best. And it's it's all in relation to the show itself, like the quality of its own episode. I'm not like this, oh, these episodes aren't as good as these episodes of this different show. Like, I'm not going to do that. It's just like comparatively with Seinfeld, how do these episodes rank against each other? And then I add the episode scores up, divide it by the number of uh, episodes in the season. And that gives me the average score for the season. And that's how I end up ranking them. So it's like those episode scores are still completely subjective in my opinion, but there's like some method to it. I'm not just saying like, Oh, season seven's the best. And here, let me come up with reasons why like there's actual, I'm using sneer quotes. There's actual science behind it. Uh, But the only other thing like I've seen fairly recently, uh, Kelly and I went and saw wonder woman and Mm. did you, have you seen it? No, I haven't. Are you, you're not like super into the Marvel DC movies, right? No, but I, I did want to watch Wonder Woman because I've I've heard some really good things about it. Yes, it, it was very solid. Kelly liked it more than I did, and one of the big takeaways, which I totally get, well, I can totally understand. I don't get it, which is the problem, but I totally understand from like a female perspective, finding it really awesome to have this kick-ass female character starting yeah. her own movie. And one of the great things about it, too, like, they make mention that she's a female, and some of the male characters look down on her because of that, and partially because it's like a World War II movie. This was back, you know, a lot of women didn't have the rights that they have nowadays. Right. And so, from that perspective, I could totally see how it's very empowering and cool. For me, like, just as taken at face value, like, as an action movie... 
far and away the best DC movie that we've had in the last several years. But like compared to the su- other superhero movies like coming out of Marvel, I consider it a very, it's a very solid like B tier movie. Like for okay. people listening that haven't seen it yet, like if if they've seen like a movie like Ant Man or Iron Man 2. Like, it's still good. I still recommend seeing it, but it didn't blow me out of the water the way, like, a Guardians of the Galaxy did. Just okay. my two cents. Cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about that. And, you know, I've... Totally worth seeing. And, and like, I, I like it because it's a female-led superhero movie directed by a female director. Like, not to be into the, you know, societal aspect of it, but because it's a, it is of a high quality, I want to give attention and give money to a project like that to hopefully encourage more projects like that. Yeah, totally. And, you know, I've always been, like, you know, it's easy for people to complain online about representation and you know appropriation yeah. and things like that. And you know, my big thing is, and this means nothing because I'm a white male, but it's like if you're not okay <laughs> with it, do something to change it. And like you know, the uh-huh. most recent Ghostbusters movie, a lot of people shit on it. Um, I haven't seen it personally, but I know a lot of women had a lot of positive takeaways from that, and I think that's mm-hmm. important. I think that's cool. And so hearing that the Wonder Woman movie is well received by everyone and not just the female community and, you know, it's this empowering um, mm-hmm. project for females involved in it, um, I, I think that's that's even cooler, like that everyone gets to enjoy it and everyone gets to appreciate it um, and, and draw something from it, you know. And uh, I, I, it's also I, – I, it's cool because you see little boys in their Iron Man costumes and Spider-Man costumes all right. the time. And I've seen a lot of pictures now of little girls in their Wonder Woman costumes. 100%. And that's it's no awesome. longer Like, the little girls no longer look up to Disney princesses right. alone. And there's nothing inherently wrong with that, like, liking princesses and liking more of the femininity sure. side. But it's all about options. Like, I yeah. know, because Kelly, Kelly was like this, and she would freely admit it when she was younger. Like, she was more of what you would consider to be a tomboy. Like, she liked hanging out with her older brother. She was a daddy's girl kind of person. Like, she liked playing outside, getting dirty, doing that kind of stuff. She wasn't as into, like, the princess foofy stuff. And she didn't have a lot of people, women like that to look up to. And so you're 100% right. Like, to see pictures online of little girls dressed up like Wonder Woman and that sense of empowerment, it reminds me of when The Force Awakens came out because a lot of little girls, like, went and dressed up like Rey. And that's just a really, really cool thing to give girls that like that kind of thing an avenue for expressing that and, like, people to look up to that fit the mold that they they fit into. Right, because everyone deserves to have... uh, uh, to feel represented right and feel yeah um yeah. and to see themselves in other things in medias um and i think that's wonder woman is is another step in that kind of a positive inclusive direction and i think that's yeah i think that's really cool yeah uh so what about you like beyond kind of games you're playing and stuff any, anything else um i've just been i've been reading a lot uh i've been mm-hmm. reading the the Prince of Thorns series by Mark Lawrence. I know uh, last episode I talked about some of my favorite fantasy stuff. This is another fantasy book that's written by a more modern author. It's It came out more recently, I guess I should say. Um, and uh, it's interesting in that the protagonist is a sociopath. Um, and it's, it's, again, like I didn't realize it at first, but I mean, it's not like it's a big spoiler or anything to my knowledge. But um, 
it's a it's a Horizon Zero Dawn situation where it's a post post apocalypse. Um, okay. But there is, and they haven't explained a lot of it. But there are like undead zombie things, like people who can control fire and different things like that. Like, but I I have a feeling there's some form of a scientific explanation that mm. won't be explicitly given, but is hinted at because like they're in like medieval technology level uh and they they have like like there are castles built out of like these concrete bunkers and stuff and they call the the old world people the the old world builders you know the people who crafted these amazing things uh and it's just it's really interesting and he's the main the protagonist like i said he's a total sociopath he's just murdering the shit out of everyone (laughs) and like but i'm in the third book now which is the final book and he's like there are nuggets of conscience bleeding through, and it's just been a really neat um, char- uh, uh, amount of character development throughout the um, throughout the series. And um, it's because I'm more into long form fantasy, and these are only like 300, 350, 400 page books. And gotcha. so he really trims the fat on everything. Um, so I, but I, it's in a positive way in that I feel like every word on the page is vital um Mm. and so i'm absorbing every single thing you know there aren't like there aren't any throwaway chapters or scenarios there's no fluff right yeah and so i can at least appreciate that um and it's it's a really interesting story and you know they're quick reads like um they're not you know they're not pandering but they aren't overly complicated either yeah Um, it's not like a challenging read right and so i've just been i've it's just been a good time and not necessarily a turn your brain off time. Just, it's sure. just enjoyable. Um, and how many books are in that series? Three. Uh, oh. yeah. And then he has another series that I ordered the first book of. So I'll be starting that next. Um, mm-hmm. cause I, I am, I'm happy with his writing. Like I said, his name's Mark Lawrence. So, you know, feel free to check him out. But, um, that's mainly what I've I've been reading. I've been trying to get through those books. I've been finishing up some of the star new Star Wars canon comics. I ordered a bunch of yeah. trades and I've been waiting through yeah. those. Um, yeah, I've read I've read a handful of them and I'm like way behind. I just haven't had time to go back to the local comic book shop to get some more. And part of it, like they're just expensive, man. Yeah. Like Marvel knows what because it's it's like four, a four issue trade. It's like eighteen dollars. It's just crazy. Ridiculous. It's because yeah, they know people are gonna pay yeah, but they, tons of like, money for Star know. Wars. And I mean, it's not going to stop me. I'm not going to buy it. It's just going to take me longer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, The only other, like, real comic that I've been reading, um, and I actually bought this on accident. I meant to get Descender because I had heard multiple things about it. And, like, I know you had mentioned it, and someone recommended it to me as a fan of the Mass Effect series. So I meant to buy that, and I mistakenly bought Lazarus, which is another image comic um, by Greg Rucka. And so I read it anyway because I didn't know any better. And then it was only afterwards where I was like, this doesn't, this isn't anything like Mass Effect. And I looked it up like, oh, I bought the wrong thing. But it was still good, thankfully. Yeah. So it's called Lazarus. And the basic concept, it's, I mean, it's not like an apocalyptic scenario, but it is a future where the world sucks. Um, okay. It's basically just like a couple of rich families own everything, like own countries and stuff. So and everyone else uh, is, a totally plausible it's future. Like, well, yeah, it's like a proletariat bourgeoisie sort of thing where 99% of the population are effectively slaves to these 1% people. Right. Uh, and each family has a 
member of their family who has been like cybernetically enhanced to effectively be like an assassin and so that like that is what helps keep war at bay between these families is like this one assassin could kill fucking everybody and huh. uh the main character of this book is their family's assassin i don't remember all the details specifically now off the top of my head but um it, it is a cool world and it's one of those where it's like a slow drip of information you're kind of dumped into the drama that's happening amongst these families and you don't really have a lot of perspective but as it goes on you start putting the pieces together through you know their dialogue or the different places things are happening like random things people will say so it's been a bit of a slow burn i'm definitely still curious to read more but so it's just one of those where it was like it was a happy accident and something we talked about last week one of the things that makes image so great like it was ten dollars so yeah, yeah, I bought the wrong thing. I'm stupid. I should have known better. It was only ten bucks. Like even if I read it and I was like, ah, not for me. It was ten bucks. Yeah, it was like half Compared the price of what you pay for a Star Wars trade. Yeah, exactly. So for more content. Yeah, that's you know that's um, that's cool. I'll, I'll have to check that out. Yeah. So. Um, as far as like the meat of today's episode, we're not certainly going to talk about all the E3 games, but we wanted to go through some of the press conferences for today, and then in future episodes, we'll go through the, the rest. Uh, so today, we were going to talk about EA, Bethesda, Ubisoft, and then uh, mention Devolver Digital's like completely insane, like <laughs> modern art piece. In fact, I mean, like let's just start there. Yeah, let's like, get I that out of the way, live. Man. Because it, it aired at, like, 1 a.m. local time, and there was no way I was going to stay up when I had work the next day. But, like, I watched that afterwards. That thing was so batshit crazy. It was awesome. Oh, it man. It was brilliant. It was Like, so all good. the nods and making fun of the industry yeah. I really loved. Um, like, it was like, what was it, tomorrow's unethical business practices today? today? Wasn't yeah. Wasn't that, like, the, the tagline? <laughs> so good. Oh. And so, like twisted it, it felt right for their brand and the kind yes, of games they put out very much so yeah they um i <laughs> I, I would like to see more companies i, I don't want to say i want to see like you know the big name companies attempt something like that but i'd like to see more smaller publishers come out and do those types of things yeah not necessarily you know things those short little streams yes. that are tonally more in line with what they do but, you know, mm-hmm. more of those types of small streams um, mm-hmm. and those little events, those little uh, kind of self-aware moments. I, I enjoy those. So beyond Devolver Digital's insane, uh, not even a press conference, it really is like a modern art piece. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we had the EA press conference. How would you feel about it in general? Um, There were a few... Um, there were a few things there that I... I felt drawn to um yeah you know i i hmm. i've been watching a lot of e3s uh, for many years and mm-hmm. i'm kind of like unless they really do a standout weird thing with their press conference i'm kind of done talking about the conferences themselves <laughs> you know what i mean like sure debating yeah, them to death and ea is always the same like yes and that's, that, the that's thing. really like that was it, it was it was like a leading question because that was definitely yeah. my opinion on it was it feels the same as it always does Felt and familiar. i'm with you like like it, sometimes it's fun to like score the press conferences or say like oh well i liked this slate of games more than that slight slate of games right. but in general like the press conferences who really gives a shit it's a bunch of suits standing on stage and they show trailers like who really cares and especially this e3 in general i felt like was a lot less special feeling than it has been in the past and i've definitely felt that kind of 
slow decay of E3 press conferences. But just in general, EA felt like more of the same. Like, I'm glad they actually had some stuff to show, and which is more than you could say for the last couple of years where they've, like, done a bunch of behind-the-scenes. Right. Because, like, oh, well, you know, this game's not coming out for two years, so let's show you what some of the team's doing on Mirror's Edge. Like, Ugh. who gives a shit? Like, if you don't have anything to say, don't say it. Yeah, exactly. But for me, the, the standout EA game uh, was Anthem. Really? Yeah. Huh. Okay. You, it didn't speak to you? Um, It's just, to me, it, it looked like a third-person Destiny, which yeah. I'm going to play Destiny 2, so why do I need Anthem? Uh, because I anticipate, I mean, this is based on pure gut feeling, but like I anticipate Anthem being better than Destiny because like Destiny was so hyped and I was so excited for it. And then I played the demo and was like, actually, this game is not all that. There's like, there's not that much you're doing here. I really hope the final game's different. And it wasn't, there's just was not enough content. The content that was there was not engaging. It was very single player, unfriendly. There was no story. Like that game was a disaster at launch. It had a lot of potential, but I did not really enjoy the admittedly couple hundred hours I put into yeah, it. Yeah, but I mean, but, like, like, look at look at Destiny where it is now. But that's my point. Like things haven't changed that much. Like it looks like there is going to be a story, but because the first game still happened and it exists in this world where there are already characters that they've introduced. It still feels like a, it feels like a sequel to a story that didn't happen. Like if that makes sense. Okay. Like I'm, I'm still going to check it out and some of the small tweaks they've made seem positive, but on the whole, it still seems like more destiny. And I'm still not convinced that it's going to have enough content at launch. There's still only four worlds again. Like, I just, I'm not, I'm 100% not sold on that. The reason I think Anthem appeals to me, one, is that it's Bioware. And granted, they've been up and down the last couple of years. But it is their A team working on Anthem. It's not the team that's working on Mass Effect Andromeda, that's for sure. And I think that they looked at, because clearly it's meant to compete with something like Destiny. With Bioware's own spin. And I think that they looked at Destiny, the positives and the negatives, and I think that they're really going to learn from that. Um, And this is just my gut talking. I mean, we only saw like seven minutes of quote-unquote gameplay, so it's hard to tell. But that is my hope and wish for Anthem. And like, I'm I'm ready for that. And assuming it's not going to launch until probably fall 2018, I'm sure they're going to have plenty of time to go through and make some tweaks based on how Destiny 2 even succeeds and fails. Okay, I guess just for me... Uh, mechanically speaking, um, Bioware has never made a game that feels like really tight to play. You know, like as far as like a shooter goes, yeah, right. I can see and, that. And so, and, th- and this is leaning even he- more heavily in that direction as opposed to a Mass Effect like game. Um, and I mean, say what you will about Destiny and the content or whatever, that game felt fucking great to play. One hundred percent. Totally agree. So, and and. and For me, if I look at these two not dissimilar experiences, I'm going to go with the one that I feel confident that I'm going to at least have a nice time playing as opposed to the one that, while it may show promise in other areas, if it's not fun to play and that's the main thing you're doing, you know, what what am I doing here, right? And so I I, I need to see more of Anthem. And I, I honestly, I probably won't be able to formulate a solid opinion on Anthem until I get my hands on it, you know? 
Yeah, yeah, and and I'm like I'm like I'm not trying to get overhyped about it or, or praise it too much. It was more so just like it feels familiar for a Bioware game, and it yeah. definitely feels familiar for someone that likes Destiny and that kind of crowd. But what they showed was impressive enough where I was like, okay, yeah, because because it very easily could have been like oh, this looks like yet another sci-fi shooter, yet another Destiny clone, and just completely written it off. Sure. But there was enough to it that at least intrigued me. And that's really, like, it, this early on, when the game's not coming out for a year and a half, probably, like, that, that is really all I'm looking for. Okay. Um, see, I, I actually, the Anthem, that uh, the demo they showed, really brought me up and then dropped me right back down because it starts out in first person. I was like, oh, Bioware sure. making like a first person sci fi game. That could be okay. kind of interesting. And then it pulled out, oh, you're in a Master Chief suit. All right. right. And I was like, yes. okay. It, th- there is very little about Anthem from a conceptual perspective that feels fresh. Right. That's for sure. Right. Yeah. Um, definitely, definitely agree. Yeah. But I, I mean, you know, I, I guarantee you some people are going to play that game and love it. So. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, like, I. You know, say what you will about Destiny, there are certainly elements about it that are of high quality. Absolutely. So even if there are problems with Anthem, like Bioware is a talented studio, with the exception of Mass Effect Andromeda, like there hasn't been a Bioware game in recent memory that I haven't at least been okay with. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, As far as EA, though, really the only other game that stood out to me was Star Wars Battlefront 2. Okay. Um, and yeah, I, I think I think Battlefront Two looks great. Um, and did, how much of the first game did you play? I played for like two weeks when it came yeah, out. Same. We're both big fans of the original Battlefront. I like the first one more than the second one. Do you have different opinion on that? Um, I hmm, I like the first. Well, I, I, I like elements of the. I first didn't like one. the hero characters. Yeah, me neither. Um, and yeah, but the flying and the space combat in the second one was true pretty dope true um, and so like that's been one of my like eh kind of things towards this new battlefront series are these hero characters i feel like that it has become like the major draw and i don't really care that yeah. much about those um but really with the first game it was just lack of content like there weren't enough maps there weren't enough game modes the the changes they had made from the beginning like you know, uh, the ships being random drops like that just seemed really ill conceived. So it is nice that they're changing a lot of that. And it feels a little more similar to a traditional battlefield uh, experience, which I think is a positive direction. Yeah. The little like, gameplay that they showed, it was annoying having the fucking commentators. I fucking, yeah, I don't give I a know. shit about esports. God. I don't fucking care. I know there's a lot of mo- potential money there. I know there are people that care about it, but like shut the fuck up. Stop saying like there was some and I don't even know what the fuck that dude's name was that was doing the commentating. He was so annoying <laughs> getting very heated about this. Like he like it was some word that he he used like 20 fucking times. And I was like I swear to god if he says like it's like slayed, like oh he got slayed or something like that. It's like if this fucking kid says that word one more time, I'm going to reach <laughs> into my computer screen and slap him across the face. Shut up. Like let the developer talk. Anyway, uh the actual gameplay looks good. It lo- looks improved from the first game. And re- I like return, the ship combat. Yeah, the return to the class-based system is yes. a major shift. Because that was the whole deal with the original Battlefront games is the enemy has a tank. I'm going to spawn as the dude with the bazooka. Right? I'm going to spawn as the heavy class. Right. Um, right. And then, you know, this most recent, uh, the first Battlefront, 
the first new Star Wars Battlefront, um, that it, I, I, I didn't, you know, I didn't get that sensibility and you know, that kind of thing. So, um, ha- having the ability to go back to a class system, I think is important for, because, you know, team comp wasn't a, a sort of a consideration in the original Battlefront games. Like, you know, oh, they're like four dudes of this class, so they can probably handle all the anti-air stuff, so I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. We don't have any, like, scouts, so I'm going to be a scout, right? So mm-hmm. the ability to see a little more of that information, uh, and I, you know, team comp is such a esports word that I don't like using <laughs> it, but, you know, that, that that's what it is. I don't have a better term for it. Yeah, um, yeah. And so I think that's pretty neat. And, you know, like you said, having the vehicles not as random drops – you earn your things throughout the match. I think that's a smart move. They did a little bit of that in the original Battlefront 2. Um, like mm-hmm. you could earn like a more powerful blaster rifle or something if you got a certain number of kills or something weird like that. Um, so they, there's some of those elements they're pulling from the originals and from their own Battlefield experience. Uh, and that's one of the things that surprised me the most about the new Battlefront 1 was that they didn't do any class-based stuff. Because that's Battlefield's whole thing, is classes. Yeah. So that's the what kind of surprised me about the first one is, you know, if the source material has it and that's what you're, uh, that's what you generally do. You know, I don't, I don't know how that ball got dropped, but whatever. Um, for me, and we haven't talked about this because we don't know that much about it, but like the single player component, like I'm glad it's there. The story idea seems cool yeah. and like taking place on the Imperial side. I I get really annoyed at this like. People are congratulating EA for putting the single player in. Like, oh, yay, good, you're doing it this time. Like, for me, like, fucking yeah, they better fucking be doing it. It should have been in there in the first place. Like, I get annoyed at this mentality of let's congratulate these developers for doing something that they should have done in the first place. Like, why was there not a single player mode in the first game? Why was there not space combat in the first game? Like, those are core experiences that we want out of a modern star Wars game. And now people are going to clap their hands and say, Oh good. You're doing it. Like they better fucking be in there. (laughs) But it does look cool. That's such a terrible way of looking at it. Jay. No, but like, but you don't, you don't agree that it should have been in there in the first place. It's, it, it's yeah, not, but it's like, let glad, people be I'm, happy about it. No, 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 no. It's not that. It's not that. I am glad that it's in there too. And I'm glad that they're clearly listening to the community and learning from their mistakes. That's not the point. The point are people that are saying like, good for them for doing it. That is the issue. No, not good for them for doing it. Bad for them for having not done it already. Good for them for learning from their mistake, but I'm not going to congratulate them for doing something that they should have done in the first place. Okay, that's what it is. I think maybe like like okay, if you if you if your wife begs and pleads for you to do the dishes for a week and you don't fucking do them, you guys get in a huge fight. She moves back with her parents for a week and then she comes home and you do the dishes. Is she going to be like, oh Kyle, you're so amazing for doing the dishes? No, it's your fault for not having done them in the first place. Stop being an asshole and do the dishes. That's my point. Okay. That's, you know, that's the the most one-to-one analogous situation you could have possibly come up with. <laughs> uh, dishes versus game development. Uh, but no, I, I think it more speaks to there are a lot of shitty game companies out there and EA sp- kind of specifically that do not listen to their fan bases, yeah. right? And so the fact that finally someone listened 
yes, you know, carrot instead of the stick. Like, you did you and, did a I good mean, job. They, Do that again. Listen to us. They have finally learned from, like, being voted the most hated game company for, like, the last decade. Mm-hmm. And, like, the DLC, at least for it's, when it comes to, like, maps and stuff, is going to be free for this game. Right. You know? No longer going to... Because part of the problem with the first game was there wasn't enough content. And their response was, yeah, but we have this really robust season pass. I'm like, oh, okay. So I pay $60 for a game. I don't think there's enough. And your response is, pay $50 more and then there will be enough. Right. That's a really shitty attitude. Yes. So I, I definitely like... And they did this with Titanfall as well. I definitely like that they're taking the mentality of, let's not segment our user base. Let's make sure everybody can play together. And then if they're, I'm sure they're going to have microtransactions. They do. I believe they already uh, it has been would. Yeah. It's been confirmed. But I think it's all, it's all going to be like customization kind of stuff. No. So there are... Oh, great. There are some skills that are locked behind um those like loot box things like special moves uh i'm unclear as to what the term skill means but supposedly dangerous that seems real bad like that is literal pay to win yeah like you you pay money and you get an ability that other people don't get that seems real bad i'm gonna hope that it's something different than what you're saying specifically yeah and and maybe maybe there's a fine balance there um that they can find but i'm not super hopeful on that aspect of it i think i'm just gonna have to take that bad with the other good that they learned (laughs) from the first one right and you know like I guarantee you making those games is hard and expensive, especially when dealing with a high-profile property like that, um, and they need to make their money back. And I get that, but you know there's a way to do it and a way not to do it, and I fear they are doing the way not to do it. Right. So... I mean, those were my big games from EA. Uh, what about there, uh, there any other huge standouts? What about that co-op game, A Way Out? Yeah, like I think it's an interesting idea. I need to see a little bit more of it live in action. My fear with that, because it's like couch co-op or online co-op, and the fact that you see both characters and both screens at once, no matter what, yeah. seems like it could be very distracting very easily. But like, I think it's a really cool concept. Yeah, and I really liked Brothers. I don't think Brothers necessarily executed on its mechanics the best that it could have. The ending of it was great. Like the way that it manipulated the mechanics yeah. based on how the story happened. I thought it was really, really fascinating. So based on the pedigree and the idea, I'm interested, but I also am not sure that a game like that will really work, but cautiously optimistic. Yeah. And you know, I thought some of the writing seemed like it could be a little clumsy and the performances mm-hmm. felt a little off. Um, and it's possible it could be trying to emulate older styles of film and TV um, with some of that stuff, but a lot yeah. of it felt a little maybe dated. Um, but I, I think it's a neat idea. I'm looking forward to playing it. And I I, I think the always split screen is a pretty novel idea that, you know, if, if it turns out well, I could totally see that being uh, more commonly used uh, in, in cooperative sure. titles. Um, I, I agree with you in that it might be a little distracting, but I have a feeling that game is a little more of a cinematic experience anyways. Yeah, I would assume so, so too, yeah. from what they showed. Yeah, yeah. and then uh, I guess lastly from EA, Need for Speed Payback. So 
I recently, like within the past several months, marathoned the Fast and Furious movies because GiantBomb.com was doing uh, film in 40s. They watch the movie and commentate over it, sort of like a um, uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000 type of thing. Um, so they had a podcast you could play while you watched the movie. And so that's how my girlfriend and I watched all seven movies. And then we went and saw the eighth um, in theaters. Because we okay. totally fell in love with those films and how crazy they are and how they changed over the course of them. Um, and I haven't played a racing game in a really long time, but I used to play like Gran Turismo on the PS2, and I remember having a really nice time with it, and I'm not sure why mm-hmm. I fell out of the racing game genre. But I haven't played one in a very long time. And Payback definitely seems like it's leaning more towards fast and furious angle with like the heisty stuff and all the personality and a little more action oriented. Uh, And so I think in the absence of a fast and furious game franchise, which could totally (laughs) be awesome by the way. uh, I think they made a fast and the furious game. Did they really years and years ago? Yeah, it was complete garbage. Oh boy. We, I remember it came, it came out when I was working at GameStop. So it would have been in like 2013, 2014. Wow. Really? God, I don't remember that. Um, it was hot trash. Wow. Well, I feel like this... Much like the Fast and Furious <laughs> movies. I feel like this might be an interesting stopgap uh, sure. between those two types of medias. So, I don't know. I, I might get it super cheap on sale sometime in the future. Yeah. yeah. I would not buy that on release, though. But, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of it for EA. It, a lot of it felt pretty rote uh, and familiar. But right. You know, and I mean, they always talk a lot about sports games, which is not our thing. So, right, gives a shit. yeah, on that. As far as Bethesda goes, I thought it was pretty underwhelming overall. Uh, there just weren't a lot of announcements and a lot of focus on like VR modes for games that already exist, and Skyrim's coming out on this n- another platform, <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah. Like I know, like we talked a little bit about Wolfenstein too. I know you're excited about that. I'm kind of like, oh yeah, it looks good. I don't know if I'm gonna play it, but I know like another game that you're probably interested in was Evil Within too. Oh yeah, I'm extremely excited for that game. Uh, I I loved the first one. I thought it was really hard and punishing, but I love Shinji Mikami because you know that's he's the Resident Evil guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on, I love Resident Evil. He's like he's the grandmaster of that franchise. Um, and I'm really excited to find uh, what comes next for Sebastian and uh, his daughter <laughs> who, you know, you go the whole first game, like he's tortured by the memory of her and her being dead and all that kind of stuff. And then, oh, she's actually alive inside the machine or is she? And, you know, that kind of shit. Mm-hmm. And it looks like my, according to the trailers that I've watched, my least favorite female character is returning, which is the disgusting spider-like chick with the long grudge hair and the long legs. I remember that from, oh, God. I mean, I didn't play the first game, but I remember in the trailer oh, seeing man. that. that, that oh, that horrifying. boss fight still gives me goosebumps. And you see... I am not a horror oh, game person. You see her for like a split <laughs> second in the Evil Within 2 trailer. I'm just like, oh, yeah. God, no. Yeah. <laughs> that was, It was a really cool trailer. Yeah. Like, I it was pretty obvious right away what it was and a lot of people already knew they were that it was going to be announced it was super cinematic stylish trailer yeah it's just like there's i'm not playing that game it was it was <laughs> there's no fucking yeah. way i thought it was, it was pretty well directed um yeah yeah but yeah you know wolfenstein 2 new colossus i was not expecting it at all like i hadn't it wasn't on my radar um which is weird because i really liked you know new order and old blood but uh, i'm definitely getting it when it comes out i'm, I'm happy also happy to hear they built 
two different storylines based on the choice you made at the beginning of New Order. Um, so mm-hmm. th- there's actually kind of divergent storylines there based on uh, which character you chose to let live at the beginning, um, or I guess which character you chose to die, rather. Um, okay. But yeah, and then you know they talked about Dishonored, Death of the Outsider, that Dishonored 2 thing. Um, did you play Dishonored 2 at all? No. I mean, I know they're good. I just never really played them. Okay, I really liked the first one, and I got Dishonored 2 on PS4. I still have it on PS4. But I got to that first big area, and this is like right after release, so pre a bunch of patches. But the frame rate was so bad, it gave me a headache, so I stopped playing it. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. So I literally have a $60 game sitting on my shelf that I played for about an hour. Um, so I might try and go back to it at some point, and if it's still total shit, maybe I'll get it on sale and PC at some point and play it, because my rig will actually run it. Um, but until I play Dishonored 2, I don't think I'm going to bother playing this Death of the Outsider thing. For fans of the franchise, yeah. it seems cool. Like, going to kill the Outsider, that's kind of crazy idea, knowing what I know from the first game of the Outsider. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, basically killing this interdimensional godlike being. It's kind of an interesting idea. Um, but yeah, so, you know, that, that's exciting. That's, that's really it from... That's really it from Bethesda, I think. Like, they not a lot of new announcements. Yeah. And it was pretty underwhelming. I know a lot of people were hoping we were going to get to see Bethesda Softworks' new IP. Rumor was that it's called Starfield, but nothing like that. So maybe next year. Yeah. Um, um, I, the Fallout 4 VR thing is like, I need to buy VR now. I really have nah, to. I, I I'm must. good. Um, if in the new house, if I have space for a Vive room scale setup, um, a Vive headset will be in my future sometime in the next couple of years. And then, because I, I love Fallout 4, and the idea of immersing sure, so myself even more in that world is uh, is super appealing. Um, and then, you know, Fallout 4 paid mods, the creator club. Um, Need to see more about it. I, I mean, yeah, I, I want to know the breakdown of pricing and what share goes to who because i know that was the big deal when they tried to do paid mods before is the modders were getting shit all money for it and um it wasn't as well curated as this seems like it is because there were people literally just ripping off other people's mods and then trying to get money for them um and this sounds like everything that's submitted is cross-checked and tested sure and it's very well curated so you know, if that comes out and that as <laughs> as um oh god, uh, Todd Howard would say it just works. That's fantastic. <laughs> um, but we'll I'm not holding my breath. For yeah, that. we'll see. And they show that Doom VR thing that it just it seems because Doom's great. The new Doom is great, but this little thing they crafted seems like the exact same thing as every other VR game on the market right now. Just with the Doom skin, and so that doesn't seem interesting. Yeah. Uh, so okay, let's move on to Ubisoft. Ubisoft, rather, we're running real long, so oh, I just yeah. want to hit on these like super fast. So they showed Assassin's Creed Origins. Like they took a year off from making those games, and we're gonna, you know, the theory was they were gonna relaunch the series and change up a bunch of the mechanics. 
Doesn't look like they did that whatsoever. The <laughs> nope. concept seems cool. Like, from a story perspective, seeing the origins of the Assassins versus the Templars is cool. Sure. I think the Egyptian setting is cool. It's mm-hmm. going to be a little bit different because it's not like a big city where you're traversing over buildings. It's going to be more environmental traversal, which is neat. But from an actual gameplay perspective, didn't really do anything to make me all that interested as someone who got really burnt out of Assassin's Creed yeah. and thought the combat was actively bad in all of the old games. Same. So nothing really there to make me want to jump in. I agree. Um, but we'll see. Um, they also showed uh, Skull and Bones, which is like a direct spinoff, which they admitted a direct spinoff of Black Flag, where it's just this ship-to-ship combat. I thought it looked cool. I'm not sure that you can sustain a full game based upon that kind of multiplayer. No way. Uh, I know you were way less impressed even than I was. Yeah, that doesn't interest me at all. Like, I yeah, so, I got too much of that ship combat in Black Flag. Sure, that was almost totally too much. Totally agree. Yeah, I, I, I did, like that, I really liked Black Flag, and primarily what I liked about it was the ship combat, but it certainly got to be too much by the end of that game, and an entire game focused on that doesn't really appeal all that much to me. But, hey, it's pirates, and pirates are cool. <laughs> um, one game I know, like, you're pretty high on that I'm interested in is Far Cry 5. Yeah. Um, so that's it. Just, yeah. Yeah. My, 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 <laughs> yep. my, my friend and I, we played Far Cry four co-op and it had its limitations, but it was a really good time. Um, uh, and mm-hmm. so, you know, they've come out and said Far Cry five is fully cooperative. Like it's not just the base rating type thing. It's fully cooperative, the mm-hmm. whole story. So that's cool. I'll have a, I think my buddy and I'll have a really good time playing through that game. And I really like the American setting and I love yeah. even more that those alt-right butt munchers are all butthurt about it. Like, oh, white well, white people can't be terrorists. Like, that that people are literally saying that. And and, yes. I, and I'm just no, like, you're, you're, white you're people right. are the most terrorists. <laughs> like, come on, man. But, yeah, anyways. I think that's a separate topic yeah, that's that for we another won't day. dive into on the podcast no. ever. But anyways, like, it's, it's uh, a cool... You don't see a lot of games take place in America, at least not games like that. It's yes. always some weird exotic setting. So something a little closer yes. to home that for me personally really like. is kind of interesting. And if they do the story right, I am interested. I mean, you and I fall on different sides of the societal and political and religious spectrum. But as someone who is like a moderate and a Christian, Ubisoft has never been great about dealing with sensitive issues. And being a French company, being very openly liberal company, I get a little afraid that they're going to paint with a very broad brush about conservatives and Christians. From what I have seen of the game, it doesn't look that way. No, to be I don't completely think so fair. That's that's it is purely it is it is a fear based upon the concept. Um, but based on what they have shown, it being this like Hicksville kind of religious cult mentality and this like, you know, you say terrorist organization like centered around this religion, like all of that is really interesting and like toes a line that video games don't often toe, yeah. which I think is really cool. I just don't want to see them go on the other side of the line. That That's my only fear from a pure like game perspective. It seems like more Far Cry, which is like, I could take her to leave that. Far Cry 3 and 4 are both phenomenal games, but they're both like the same game. 
Primal, I didn't play, but I heard was way less successful and changed up the mechanics a lot, but still was the same game. So hopefully this has more gameplay mechanics. I just don't want more of the climb the tower, unlock a bunch of icons. Like, I'm so fucking sick of that. Horizon Zero Dawn has that, and it's really annoying. I they, Like, we need to find a new way of making these open world games work. So Yeah, I, I totally uh, agree. Um, but yeah, I, I think... Um, Probably my biggest surprise from the show, uh, the entire E3, was the Mario and Rabbids Kingdom battle. Yes, to- totally agree. Let's actually, since we're so running so long, let's save that. In the next episode, we're going to talk about Nintendo's press conference. Okay. So let's actually plan on talking about that with Nintendo, but I'm right there with you. I cannot believe I'm excited for that game, but I totally am. <laughs> like, that was one of my most pleasant surprises, for sure. Yeah. Um, Kind of the, the other two big games, you know, they announced Beyond Good and Evil 2. It was a purely stylish, you know, cinematic trailer. There's no gameplay in it. The game, like, is just starting to be worked on. Right. So I don't think we can take anything from that trailer. Um, I, I played Beyond Good and Evil. I played it after the fact, so there's no nostalgia there. I thought it was cool and the ideas were cool. I'm certainly not, like, a cult follower of Beyond Good and Evil like a lot of people nah, are. me neither. But they have said that they want this to be, like, more of an open-world RPG-ish kind of game, which the world of this seems really cool. Yeah. So I'm definitely down with that. If they can, um, you know, if it isn't just a bunch of space racism, <laughs> then I think, or <laughs> right. space speciesist, I guess, right. speciesist. Xenophobia. Yeah. Uh, I think that could, yeah. I I, I agree. Cigar smoking monkey, he's all right in my book. Absolutely, dude drops f bombs like nobody's business. Yeah, that was a bit hell. That was a bit heavy. when I get when I get passionate. Sometimes I do too, so I get it. <laughs> hey, if I was a monkey, I'd cuss too. <laughs> and uh, really, the last game that I wanted to talk about about Ubisoft is South Park: The Fractured But Whole. Uh, Stick of Truth was my game of the year in 2014 fucking loved that game we're both big south park fans I, I respect the show a lot one of the things that was really good about stick of truth was that it felt like a trip down memory lane yeah. for south park fans which i'm not sure you can do that twice but it being developed by ubisoft now a much bigger studio the improvement the improvements that they're making to combat with it feeling a little more tactical and less turn-based rpg um, I think could be cool and, and make it a little bit different. And I certainly like the, you know, the coon kind of superhero concept behind it. I think that that'll all be really fun. Yeah. So I'm, I'm super looking forward to that one. Yeah, me too. Absolutely. Uh, and so now I guess to kind of wrap up the episode, we'll talk about my hate of the week. Hate of the week. So this week, it's a bit of a controversial hate of the week. Let me let me get my hey listeners before you yell at your radio. Let me say my piece. But today's hate of the week are memes. Now memes are amazing. I love memes. Basically, the only reason I go on Facebook is to check the Giant Bomb Facebook group and the like twenty five meme pages that I follow. However, memes have also highlighted how terribly terribly unfunny most people are in life there are so many great memes out there but there are just as many unfunny memes and what is even worse memes that ruin potentially good memes because they they execute a joke idea but they do it badly and so because of that, if someone were to try to recreate the similar joke, but like an actual funny person would do it, they can't. 
It's already been it's already been ruined. It's like going and seeing a really unfunny comedian talk about a funny a funny topic, and then going and seeing a funny comedian talk about the same topic. That funny comedian, it doesn't matter. It's too late. That topic has already been ruined by the unfunny person. And that's how I feel about memes. Not to mention the fact that it really highlights how terrible people are with grammar and spelling. Like, how many wrong instances of the word there on memes? Oh, man. Like, to me, that ruins the joke. I know that's super elitist and annoying, and people get mad at these grammar Nazi people. But being, you know, I, I am a professional writer. That is my job, my marketing job. I am a writer. Like, that really, really gets on my nerves and grind my ge- grinds my gears, Stop. you could say. <laughs> so i just i just i have one thing to say about memes and that yeah. is i custom designed and ordered a doormat that is a it has all of the dolan characters so dolan gooby yes. mikey mouse um oh what's pluto's Spoderman. yeah Spoderman. oh what's pluto's thing i forget what they call pluto um but it has all of those characters, and it says home, H-O-E-M, sweat, S-W-E-T, home, H-O-E-M. Mm-hmm. So home, sweat, home, and it has all the Dolan characters. <laughs> it's so good. I mean, that's good. purposeful bad spelling. Yes. And sometimes, like, the, like, because, you know, I, you know, I talked about my today I hate is these like fucking millennial phrases that make me feel a million years old and don't make any sense. But sometimes like those work, like sometimes in context of a meme saying Bay works yeah. or saying you well, are, because it's being used ironic or whatever. Yes. And that like, sometimes those can work that way. I more just mean like actual mistakes in spelling and grammar, right? Like spell check, fucking spell check your shit. It just, eh. basically my point is that unfunny people should not be allowed to tell jokes, period. The end. Not everyone is funny. I like to think I'm fairly funny. I'm more sarcastic than like straight up funny, but I think the sarcasm is the funny. And and I think Kyle, you're the same way. But like there are like it's you know what it for people that aren't funny that sucks. Like people want to be seen as funny. Yeah. There's the classic thing of like women saying, "Oh, I don't care what you look like. I don't care how much money you make. I just want a nice funny guy." Which is fucking not everyone's false. Funny. Well, yes, but that, that's a separate <laughs> thing. But, like, not everyone is funny. Just, like, not everyone's attractive. It's just the difference is you don't know someone's not funny until you've had to talk to them first. You can tell if someone's attractive right away. So maybe that's that's the key. I would, just, like, I would hazard a statistic how about, how about, that uh, there are less funny people than there are attractive people. Um, Maybe, like, people that are funny no matter what. Yeah. I could see that. But I feel like most people at least have like a topic or kind of a style or a sense of humor that can work. I feel like most people can do that. It's when people try to branch out. And especially when it comes to like memes and with telling jokes online, that is a means of joke telling. That is not a skill set that everybody has. It requires like quick wit and like conciseness that people I don't think are always that, that good at doing. Right. Just, just my two cents. You know, from from the person that whose opinion matters more, and from a very funny person speaking to the unfunny masses. That's just how I feel. Yeah, if you put in your two cents, um, I'm only ever able to put in my one cent. Like a half, like ha- a ha- it's like a half, half pence. A, half pence, yeah. <laughs> it's one of those pennies with a hole in it. <laughs> right. Yes. It's foreign money. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> we don't accept that here, but right. you know, thanks for it's bringing like it. It's not up. even enough foreign money to bother getting exchanged either. Yeah, you're, you'll lose it all in taxes. Yeah, it's just taking up space. <laughs> so thank you, everybody, for listening to the second episode of the Shea Hates Everything podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard here, you can check out SheaHatesEverything.com. It's my website where I talk about video games, movies, comics, and other shit that matters in the written form. Because I'm a professional writer. Now that I've put myself out there as that, everybody's going to be combing through my website like, oh, well, here's a grammar mistake. Oh, you didn't need this comma, blah, blah, blah. I definitely set myself up for that one. But uh, we also will take emails on the show. We don't have any now because we've just started and we probably only have like six listeners. But uh, if you do have any questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, opinions, feel free to send them to info at SheaHatesEverything.com and uh, we'll be sure to shit on your opinion. So thanks guys for listening. Kyle, thanks for joining me. Yeah. And um, we'll see you guys in the next episode where we'll be talking about more E3 games. See you in the next one.